and the mic is on. Welcome to Midnight Wisdom. I wanted to talk about happiness today. You know, the thing that we're all chasing after all the time? That. The thing that we all think is so important more than anything else. And somehow, somehow it's still so out of reach. You know, we think we're closer. We think we're going to get it once we have something or we reach a certain stage in our life. And then we still feel that that hole, you know, we still feel like somehow we're, we're still not happy. And that's, that's got me quite curious lately, you know, and I, I, I feel like I have this need, this need of understanding what happiness really is. Because ever since I was a kid, I always used to look at people o- older than me, you know, indulging in things that they didn't need to, you know, I'd be walking in my neighborhood and I'd, I'd see boys who were older than me who were just hanging out with their friends, you know, cursing or trying to cause trouble or trying to get laid. And, and I looked at them and I, I, I saw these guys, I saw these guys, you know, with, within their own circles, trying to connect and trying to bond. And I, I felt like a part of me never wanted to be like them, you know, I didn't want to be to throw myself to to the to my surroundings because that would somehow make me happy. And I even saw it within my own family, how my, my dad my dad, we have a lot of obesity in the family. My dad and uncle are really, really fat. So my, my I'd see my dad, you know, how he went on eating or how he smoked two or three packs of cigarettes a day and watched a lot of TV or how he indulged in, in material things that that he thought were making him more happy but th- those are things that I saw he was doing and I felt like this need to separate myself from that constantly and I, I saw that in a lot of things you know how if family members visited us for example I'd see them talking about their lives and I'd see them say like yeah this happened and this happened and look at me my children graduated for example and my children are so successful, or, you know, people showing off in general about the things that are happening in their lives, and, you know, they're saying these things partly because they want to to feel good about themselves in front of other people, and partly because they want to validate their own existence by sharing their experience with other people. You know, a lot of the time, a lot of people will share things with you only because they feel rather invisible within everything happening in the universe. It can feel like your story gets lost within all the noise and you just want someone to listen to make you feel like your story exists. So we have that aspect to us too, we have to connect. But when I watched them say these stories and when I listened, I didn't feel like they were happy. And this is something that I I noticed recently, looking back at my my past, is that I I saw this trend often, you know, when when I looked at my teachers in school, for example, some would actually come and they'd be happy about doing what they're doing and others would be sort of miserable, you know? And not just that, just anyone anyone in general, a cab driver or a bus driver, or uh, we had a woman that had to, a teacher that used to stay with us in the bus to make sure that everyone goes home safe and then she she's taken home by the bus driver. And I talked to her a lot and she, she was a fun soul, really. Uh, we used to really talk a lot, but I, I just generally looked at a lot of people and I generally didn't see happiness in a lot of people. You know, I see it in some moments 
and some moments it would fade away. You know, I'd see it when they laugh at a simple joke that they didn't they didn't expect would happen, and then they'd continue going on in their day, and I'd see that there's this lack constantly. And where does this lack come from? You know, does it come from our expectation of of being happier, of our expectation or our wish for things to be different, for things to be a certain way. Is it because we're always comparing our current state to the state that we wish we were in? And because we fall short of that state, we're disappointed and that puts us in an even worse state. What state are we even trying to get to to begin with? And once we're there, how long how long is this state going to be maintained? How long till we get bored of being in this state? How long till we get bored of everything going our way all the time? You know, we have this need, we have this idea that maybe if we control everything, maybe if we control everything in our lives, and maybe if everyone acted the same way we did, then everything would be okay, and life would be dandy. <laughs> I can't believe we can convince ourselves of something like that, you know? But we somehow managed to do that. And we somehow managed to to give ourselves shit for not living up to our expectations or our ideals. And sometimes we might need to give ourselves some some shit, you know, some criticism. But I generally think we just judge ourselves too much. And you can't you can't really talk about happiness if you, without looking at how we grew up you know we were we were all children every single person you ever look at was once a child i think we forget that i think we look at a per, we look at people and we forget that they were that they're people <laughs> you know like today i was sitting in the bus and uh, in the train and i saw this weird thing happen and i saw this we stopped at a station and this woman stood up and she wanted to get out of the train, but she couldn't take a step forward. She took one step, two steps, three steps, and then the doors closed and the train went went to the next station. It went by and we're sitting and I'm like, fuck, you know, I, I would hate to be in her position right now. I would, I would imagine needing to leave the train and not being able to actually leave because you can't fucking walk. And she sits exactly next to me. And puts her head on the on the chair, and she puts her head there, and she just starts crying softly, you know. And I look at her, and I'm like, and I think to myself, how how alone do you feel that you you are right now? How alone do you think you are? Because you're not alone. I'm here, and if I can help, I will. But how? I had this other thought that came in, and it it's asked. How willing are you to ask me for help while you're sitting there crying? And I remembered this religious phrase, you know, like, uh, ask and ye shall receive. Because you never know, like, who's around you that would actually care for you. You know, I wouldn't mind, like, she seemed light. She seemed, I'd say, like, 40 kilos, 45. She was really thin. And her legs were thin, and... She just seemed weak in general, and I thought, like, I, I could carry her, you know, if, if need be, I would carry her, and I would carry her home, and, you know, I'd put her in her bed or wherever, but then what, you know, what's the next step after that? She's still suffering, constantly. 
And I see two other people on the other side of the train looking at her really sad. And I decide, you know, I'm not going to just keep on thinking about how willing I am to help her. I'll actually ask her, you know, do you need help? So I put my hand on her shoulder and I lean in. I'm like, in German, do you do you need help? I ask. And she looks at me and she's like, she just shakes her head no. And I look at her, I'm like, you sure? And she <laughs> looks at me and she says, yes, actually, I, I do need help. And then, and then this is what caught me off guard, to be honest. This is what caught me off guard, is that she quickly just kept kept on asking me for money. And she started telling me about her story, about how she she has this crippling, cripple type of thing that she, she can't walk properly and how her family situation, how she needs money and how she's homeless and how all of that. And that's when I withdrew a bit and I didn't feel like I could help her properly because I, I don't feel like this is... I, I don't, you know, who am I to decide what type of help I'm going to give people? I was I was willing to take her home. I really was. You know, I had the time and I was willing to to help her. But she kept on asking me for money and it, it changed the situation for me a lot. And it felt wrong for me and I, I didn't really give her anything. But I listened, you know, and I looked at her and I listened. I gave her that at least. But then she stood up and she walked away. She walked away slowly, but she walked away. But she seemed like she was suffering. And I can't imagine, like, she walked away. And I'm sure, like, almost every every moment in her existence is almost suffering. And I'm also sure that there's some, some moments in her life where she's not suffering, you know? Some moments where she disconnects from that suffering and she laughs at some something a friend of her said. Or maybe she takes a drug and she feels euphoric because of that drug, or who knows, a million things can happen that give her momentarily satisfaction, that give her sensory pleasure, that makes her makes her forget about her current suffering, but that's not that's not a sustainable way to be happy either, right? Right? Sensory pleasure, you know, we're, we're, we all like eating a good meal, or having sex, or masturbating, or listening to a good song on a good day. We all like these sensory pleasures. We have senses and we feel reward sometimes and punishment sometimes, depending on how we treat our sensory organs. How sustainable is it? How sustainable is it if we wanted to rely or base our happiness off sensory pleasure? You know, to make sure everything in our life suits our senses constantly. You know, how how long can you maintain that? And how easy is it for you to lose your happiness if that's what you're basing your happiness on, right? If I'm basing my happiness on how much I can stimulate myself sensory-wise or physically, uh, how far can I go? How much sex can I have before I hate myself? How many drugs can I take before I damage myself permanently? How much alcohol do I have to drink before I, I numb myself into into losing every relationship that's important to me? Or it's just we it's so easy for us to chase these things, get our dopamine spike and feel good about ourselves by smoking a joint or smoking a cigarette. And a part a part of us that the part that like feels really good about this. And the part that reinforces that pattern that lets us feel good about this, that part, it can, if it's left, you know, to its own devices, and we don't 
control it, then, then it's really easy to fall into one of those traps. Especially if you're suffering a lot. Because you don't want to keep suffering, you want to escape that as fast as possible. But every time you escape, you find yourself coming back to it and you find it creeping in. Whether it's you judging yourself and constantly being your own worst enemy, stressing about the fact that you're stressed, worried about work, worried about what's going to happen tomorrow, or worried about something someone's going to say to you or do to you, worried about the conversation you need to have. Worried until life basically slaps you in the face and puts you in your place. But it's probably going to hurt us a lot more worrying about the pain that life is going to cause us than the actual pain life can cause us. You know, And that's, that's I think, a funny paradox and something that we're always... We're, we always live through that, you know, in one way or another. We're always living in that domain where we're... We're either too ignorant of the pain that can come, or we're too aware of it, and it 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 can come and it can destroy us, or our worry of it destroys us. So, I don't know at what point this this woman had this pro like started having these problems, but at the same time, like in Germany, for example, in Hamburg specifically, it's very hard for people. Like you get social aid, you get like eight hundred euros a month to take care of yourself and you you have medical insurance and you have all of these structures in place and systems that will make sure you take care of yourself. So here specifically, unlike a lot of other places here specifically, if a person's life is spiraling downwards, it, the only person that can be blamed is, blamed is themselves. And I say that with a clear conscience because it's just the way it is specifically here in Hamburg. You know, maybe in other places that's not the case, but if she were to go to an institution and ask for help and actually put the effort into putting her life in order, then her life would be in order. Uh, who am I to say that's the case? Maybe it's not for her specifically, but I've seen cases in Hamburg where that is the case. They have a lot of money in the city, a lot of people pay a lot of taxes, and the social system in places is, is brilliant. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about understanding happiness and if I look at this woman, you know, she she's suffering a lot. And the only way that she thinks that she can fight against this suffering is by asking for money or asking for help like that. And she's not taking it into her own hands. She's still, in a way, maybe I'm being too harsh, but in a way she's putting that pressure on the world around it for it to somewhat help her, you know, and how she went down and started crying so I would ask her if she needed help. You know, it felt genuine, but it also felt like an act. But at the same time, she's too... She's too weak for it to be a, a proper act. She seemed like a very weak person, and I don't envy, envy her, and I don't really blame her for being the way she is. But she was once a child. She was once a kid who tried to find happiness wherever they could. You know, you look at children and you see the default, default mode, default instinctive mode that they're in this play. Going around, having fun. Connecting with other children, playing. Laughing with their parents or... Or, you know, getting a box and playing with a cardboard box. 
instead of playing with the toys that were in the cardboard box to begin with. Curious entities who really forged through into trying to to play. And somehow, you know, we got we got hurt or we got taught by life that you can't always play. Life life is suffering. And then we dwell in on that fact for way too long. We dwell in we dwell on the fact that life is suffering for for too long in our lives. And then a part of us grows into being comfortable with the fact that we're suffering. And we think we're courageous or strong because of that. We think that, yeah, just because I'm strong enough to withstand the suffering that I'm going through and being okay with it, that means that means I'm strong and I'm better than, than most people, or at least it gives you the sense that you can continue living your life the same way instead of changing something. And that's, that's something that bothers me a lot because something I experienced in myself a little bit every now and then. You know, when you're comf- when you're comfortable with your state being shit, even though you're not you're not really comfortable, but you're just unwilling to really change it, and you stay in that hole, you know, and you pride yourself on being strong by staying in that hole. I see it in my dad right now, actually. But that's not strength. To remain in that hole and keep suffering and tell yourself that you're strong because you're suffering. That's not strength, that's weakness. I can't accept that that's strength. Strength is actually seeing what things in your life you can change to decrease that suffering and make yourself slightly more happy. And actually going through with that and fighting the good fight to to live true to yourself. Instead of letting everyone, everything throw you around and letting yourself be stuck in this loop of self-hate and self-judgment and self-loathing, I think that the people are able to hurt themselves so much more than anyone else can hurt them. And it's true, the way we judge ourselves and how harsh we are with ourselves is insane. But still we think it's okay to treat ourselves like that and still we think we're strong because we're able to let ourselves think like that or still continue going on through our days and going to work and doing whatever we need to do even though we hate probably ourselves and life in general that's not a healthy state to be I truly believe that heaven and hell exist in this realm right now that we're in in this world I've seen people who were in heaven in their heads and I've seen people who were in hell and it's 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 true you can be in a state of bliss or you can be in a state of hell within your own mind and how 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 your mind is trying to create your experience of life for you if your mind is constantly creating bliss for you and pleasure then you'll always be happy regardless of of what happens you know you can experiment i'm not condoning the use of drugs but if you take a drug like mdma or ecstasy uh, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life, you know, you can be living in a dumpster and you'll still feel somehow euphoric and you'll still feel like everything is right, even though it's not right. But then you take it again and again and again and it doesn't feel the same way anymore. It doesn't feel as right, this euphoric feeling. So you probably, you take maybe more and you try to reach that euphoric stage more and more and more and more and then all of a sudden you're brain dead you know and you'll never be happy again 
and you'll probably be so slow and you'll be half your brain is dead you can't think properly you can't formulate a proper sentence and you're just sitting there in the streets in your trash and you're helpless to actually stop living there because of what you did to yourself because you're constantly chasing after that high that peak that feeling that tells you everything is okay it's okay everything is fine don't worry everything is moving the way it needs to move and you're here right now moving with it in it it's fine relax there's nothing to worry about everything will work out that's how you feel when you're euphoric you feel like nothing can hurt you and you feel like everything is happening the way it exactly needs to be happening and you're exactly where you need to be even if it's in a dumpster but if you can feel that way on a drug you can definitely feel that way without a drug right but society you know ever since we're children like i said we have this instinctive we're, we're happy by nature right and we're going after happiness and and we we're, we're not really going after happiness we just embodied ourselves properly and we just played and had fun and danced to the music and threw frisbees to our friends or got balls and i don't know what the fuck children do anymore but they played and played and played and played but then they 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 still you know unwillingly find themselves in a system where they have to grow within the confines of the systems around them culture and in that sense culture will poke around and it wouldn't poke around it would carve into individuals this sense of what's important and what isn't this definition of happiness that everyone needs to go for so we start we start looking at other people and comparing ourselves to them and feeling like we're not enough we start feeling like we need to reach a specific stage you know you school puts you in that type of progression that that makes you believe that you're reaching a climax so it's it's just like you graduate from kindergarten you celebrate that and wow we're reaching something and we're going to reach that and it's so amazing once we reach it but let's continue let's study and study and study and study and then we put people through 12 more years of school and then they graduate from school and you have this huge celebration and everyone's happy and celebrating and jumping around and for what you know then then you go to college or university and you start studying in university you things start getting a bit realer you've been waiting to go to uni for a long time your expectations are built up to uni being amazing you've watched maybe a couple of western movies and you think college life is going to be a lot of girls and a lot of alcohol and a lot of parties but then you realize like everyone who everyone in uni is just the same as everyone who was in school they're just uh people on the same progressive path that you've been on and they're they don't know what the f- they don't know any better you know this is what they've been through their entire lives and this is the thing that's happening and this is where we are and then you think yeah i'm going to graduate and it's everything is going to be fucking amazing and i'm going to finally reach that climax that i've been being prepped for ever since i was fucking 3 or 4 and now now the climax is coming and i'm going to graduate from university and you graduate and bam <laughs> you're an unemployed you're an unemployed homeless person with no with no prospects of getting a job because the job market is shit and there's your climax you know 
<laughs> so so life life sort of does that, you know. Life sort of puts that like society and culture put us in that position, and and that's an aspect to life that we're experiencing, and we'll always feel that sense of progression, of maybe one day when we reach that climax, everything is going to be okay, and then we keep following the patterns that were reinforced by 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 previous climaxes. And then we relive those patterns that reinforce those that were reinforced by us reaching a certain climax, for example. Like, let's say uh, one day you were bored and you decided to go out. You met a girl and you talked to her and you went, you, you actually managed to take her home and sleep with her. And that climax you get from sleeping with someone specifically like if, if it's something that you really wanted and it's something that like she turned out to be really hot and the sex was amazing and then you came that rush that's the climax you know that's the climax of life that rush of all these chemicals and hormones being released in your body oxytocin dopamine serotonin all of that released all at once in that moment in the arms of someone else and and then you sleep and you wake up the next day and you feel you feel great and everything is great and you don't feel like you really need to do anything. You sit down, you watch TV, you eat garbage again and and you don't do much. And then like the girl leaves, let's say she lives in another country, and then you're then you find yourself craving that again. You find yourself telling yourself, I need to feel that feeling again. I need to feel that intimacy again. I need to feel that orgasm again that climax again and because you climaxed that that pattern that you followed through to reach that climax is strengthened right and reinforced so you try to follow that pattern again you start feeling like every time you're bored you try to go out and try to meet someone that you can sleep with and i'm saying i'm saying this example because it's very unrealistic for people to actually to, to follow that pattern that religiously, right? Because it's an effort, it takes a lot of energy to actually go out and try to meet someone and bring them back home. But what's the better alternative? Is to sit home and masturbate. In three minutes flat, you're probably done. You'll find some hot clips on the internet and within three seconds and give it four or five minutes with the proper lube and you're, you climax. And every time you climax, that pattern is reinforced for you to continue climaxing that way. So you find yourself, every time that you're bored, every time that you have a minute of free time, you find yourself pulling your dick out and masturbating. And that's one of the reasons I don't masturbate. I think it's uh, it just takes away a lot of what makes us human. It takes away following this temporary self-gratification that's instant instant self-gratification for me that's not happiness for me and i've thought about this a lot for me happiness a lot of it comes from acceptance accepting the situation exactly for what it is and then seeing the opportunities that you can follow and then seeing progress on those opportunities that you're following and for me progress is is what makes me feel really really happy when i see something i make and something I built grow within myself, within my relationships, within the things I'm creating like the podcast or the courses or the books or stories. Another thing that makes me really happy is bonding with someone, really connecting. 
with a friend or or making a new friend I love I love being in social social interactions where the people I'm meeting are people that I that have the same values and 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 I wouldn't say exact opinions but outlook on life you know people who are are really okay with their egos that don't think too much of themselves that really know how to live in the moment too that are okay with being silly but also okay with having an intellectual conversation uh, I love I love that so much intelligence that understands its own limits we can't always try to be smart and use big words to explain to people uh, certain things we can't keep on trying to to we can't keep trying to confirm our version of reality by by articulating and verbalizing that version of reality to other people I've talked about this uh, in another episode I, I met this guy who keep, kept on posting on Instagram about how brilliant he is and how much of a genius he is and all of that and I think that's very weak to be honest you know trying to reaffirm to the world and to confirm to yourself that you're actually those qualities that you're trying to show people and we do that often you know sometimes without meaning to and sometimes really by meaning to we're trying to impress someone we start telling them how amazing we are and how fantastic we do things and how many instruments we play and how many languages we speak or maybe it's not something that interesting even maybe how many comic books you <laughs> you read or how many uh, how fast you can roll uh, a sushi roll or something like that we have the tendency to like this woman uh, who visits visited us uh, at our house and she kept on telling my mom how amazing her children was. You know, a mom gets to be proud of her children, but we think that by showing people how amazing we are, we're somehow we validate uh, the fact that we're we're capable of being loved, or that we're people that that are worth being loved because we're valuable, and this is something that we can we can show and prove to people by telling them that you know. Sometimes you're trying to impress a girl or a guy, and uh, you start telling them about how, how much, how much, how often you go to the gym, or how many books you read per month, and how fast you can read books. I've done that actually. You know, I I listen to books at, at two times the speed, like usually three times the speed, and you know, I I did that like twice, where I'd be talking to a girl. And I'm like, yeah. By the way, I listen to audiobooks at three times the speed, yo. <laughs> um, <laughs> you have to <laughs> like me now. Uh, and I thought that was funny. I stopped doing. I stopped trying to prove myself to anyone, you know, at some point, because I don't think that my self worth should be dictated by other people, and I shouldn't validate myself by other people's opinions of me. I should validate myself towards the the good that I try to put into this world as often as I can and you know it's it's nice to truly believe that you're a good person and see yourself act it out instead of just think it you know and I could have just sat down and ignored this woman today but I actually asked her if I could help her okay I really didn't at the end but I, I asked at least which is better than nothing you know it's better than just looking and feeling bad for someone 
you know, if you have energy that you think you can put in a good direction, it's nice for you to see that you've put it in a good direction. You know, if you, if you, if you feel like you love dogs, and you have a few hours in the in a week where you can volunteer at a dog shelter, like let's say four hours on a Sunday or a Saturday, call up local dog shelters and see, like, tell them, can I just come by once a week, four hours, try to help out, whatever way I can, and. You'll go there and you'll see yourself, you know, playing around with the dogs. Sure, you might be cleaning their shit or feeding them, but you're contributing into something that you believe in. I have a friend of mine here in Hamburg, Jan, and what he does is every once a week he meets up with uh, with immigrants, foreigners who move to Germany, and he gives them a German lesson for three hours, once a week, three hours plays a board game with them, has a coffee or a tea, and and teaches them German. Why not, you know? And this is his way, one of the ways in which he contributes back to his society. And because of that, he meets people from different cultures, you know, women from Nigeria, uh, others from India, others from Syria or wherever. And he absorbs and he learns and he gains perspective and he feels like he's giving something into the world. And not only that, he feels like he's a person that's competent and in control of himself because he he's capable enough to contribute and sure we have that sense that we need to control everything and that's not the best thing within us but it's nice to see that you're competent and it's nice to have energy in you that you can contribute into something outside of you you know i think that's so crucial because if you preach and you you tell people about how horrible it is for them to eat meat or how how horrible it is that we do a million things and you're talking and talking and talking what you're doing isn't actually changing anything right you're putting a lot of energy into an area where your energy is being wasted and it's just probably pissing people off but if you really believe that way then then try to to like i said call up uh, a farm <laughs> Fuck it, yeah. If you're so, if you're so into people not killing animals, call up a farm, and ask them if you can just go around and watch how they treat animals, you know. And so one of them is gonna accept, and you drive over and you go there and you and you see how, you know, maybe this farmer specifically actually takes care of his animals a lot, and he has names for a few of his cows, and he really loves these cows because they give him milk for his family. But, you know, once they get old enough, they kill them and they either eat their meat or they sell it off. And you realize that, sure, there's industries that take advantage of farm animals a lot. But there's people who actually have a good balance between themselves and the nature nature they're in. So for me, it's just I think that if you really believe in something and you really feel like you have, you, you, you're a part of you is craving for yourself to put energy in there then you definitely should just like i'm putting energy into this podcast and trying to get a message i believe in out there and just doing that you know even if no one listens to me i feel like my energy is going into a place that's really important for me and that gives me more energy it amplifies the rest of the energy that i have to do other things and improve and grow in ways i didn't expect i could and I'm not waiting for a climax. I'm not waiting for it's nice to see progress for sure, but I'm not I'm not waiting for this one thing that's going to happen that's going to make everything right. 
because that thing might happen, but then life continues and I have to continue. And then what's the next thing that's gonna that's gonna get me there, you know? And then we're gonna be chasing after that too. But that's it. In life, there's you're always in a state of continu continuous change and you're always in a state where life is gonna continue and you're gonna have to continue with it. There's no one point that's you're gonna reach and everything's gonna be fucking perfect. Uh, <laughs> this is why like any any religion, any Zen Buddhists would tell you to just be here now and nowhere else uh, because now is really all you have but you'll have later too so you now should be progressing towards the later as well you shouldn't forget about that you know one day you will get old getting old is not hard we don't think about it we don't think that we're gonna grow as long as you're alive you are going to grow old and when you grow old you're gonna have less energy you're gonna have less motivation you're gonna have less capability and you're gonna have less everything basically besides maybe i don't know what else like you'd have more experience or wisdom but who the fuck's gonna listen to you you know <laughs> uh, like who the fuck's gonna listen to me All I'm saying is that we forget that we're going to be old. You know, we forget the, that someday we're going to be 80 and we're going to be wrinkly and we, we won't be able to walk and our knees are going to hurt and our stomachs are going to hurt and we're going to have like diarrhea often. And maybe, 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 yeah, maybe not. You know, maybe you're still healthy and, and you're good and you have good people around you. But you'll get more forgetful. You'll be more prone to getting sick um, and all of that and and like if you continue following these these things these self-gratifying pleasures constantly then by the time you're 80 you're just gonna suffer even so much more and I think that's what that's what religion is trying to depict a lot of the time is that if you live a life of sin and you constantly chase after like the seven deadly sins you constantly chase after greed you're constantly chasing after money uh, gluttony you're constantly chasing after filling yourself and eating a lot lust constantly chasing after sex pride always trying to see yourself as better than everyone around you uh, sloth being lazy and, and dirty and, and just lazy I hate sloth. Uh, wrath, angry, and uh, oof. <laughs> you know, talking about this, I realize my dad actually has every single one of those sins. It's fucking sad. Looking at him now, where he is living, the way he is. I haven't talked to him in a long time. I'm gonna call my dad. <laughs> 